This is Listen Here Now, Serious Library News Magazine, the podcast for the Pendleton Public Library. Please remember to like and subscribe and tell your friends and family they can find us wherever they get their podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And I have Rob Brooks with me today. Hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, what is your job? We're going to start right out with that so everybody knows why it is that I have you in. What is your job? I, I work for the National Weather Service for money. I teach uh-huh. and coach boxing on the side as a, as a thing for the community. And that boxing that he teaches is right next door to the library in the basement of the gym that is part of the city hall complex. So he is right where I can grab him as I go out of work. <laughs> so I did. Uh, so first of all, tell us about your job for money. I'm a hydrometeorological technician up at the Weather Service. Uh, I learned my trade in the military instead of going to college. Um, so basically, my job is to help out up there and to help with a lot of the meteorological stuff like climate data, keeping, as well as uh, uh, translating meteorology to, to English for the public. I handle <laughs> customer service up there. Uh, I do a lot of outreach stuff, uh, everything from career days and career fairs to I go out and think seven different uh, outdoor schools I teach weather safety at um, and that's that's pretty much it for I mean there's a lot of extra stuff but that's pretty much it for for the weather services I was excited this morning because it rained several huge cold drops on me I think they were melted hail because mm. they were so cold <laughs> it is so dry I don't think anything else could get without evaporating first. And then I heard a little thunder. And so that was that was fun. You know what it's called when the rain evaporates before it hits the ground, right? I don't. What? It's called Virga. What is it? Virga. V-I-R-G-A. Virga. Ah, I didn't so know. So when you look in the in the distance and you see a rain cloud and you see these little streamers coming down, but you yeah. don't see it reaching the ground, that means you have Virga. It's so hot that the raindrops are evaporating before they find the surface. We get that a lot here. We do. <laughs> it gets mistaken for tons of things. I bet. Uh, well, this morning it made it, but you know, like I would say 25 drops over a 10 mile radius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then tell us about the boxing teaching you do for the community. Well, we, uh, we teach in the basement over here at the rec center. The, the uh, city's nice enough to give us a place to, uh, a home. Uh, to work out of, uh, and they support us pretty well with that. Um, it's basically, I have a kid's class at uh, 6 o'clock, Mondays through Wednesdays, um, and it's all the beginner kids and all the way up to mid-middle school. Um, then at 7 o'clock, I have the adults, uh, intermediate kids, and competition uh, class kids and, and adults, and they come in and they uh, do about two hours, Monday through Thursday from 7 to 9. And basically, uh, it's a, just a self-paced program. Like I said, you uh, uh, come in and get a good workout. Uh, it's just there so the community has something extra. Uh, I have a, have a really good time building a family down there because that's, that's basically, uh, you know, we want kids to win and we want you know, competition folks to win, but at the same time, all the little life skills that come with learning boxing, hard work, dedication. I bring a few of the core values that I learned in the military, uh, Marine Corps leadership kind of stuff for the kids and hope they soak that in a little bit too as they're down there uh, working out. Um, and like I said, just kind of a, if they need a second home or a second place to be, you know, if every teenager could use something to punch instead of someone, so. <laughs> It's uh, just one of those ideas is is, uh, is to give the community something extra. Uh, Mike Blanc came up with the idea when we were, when he was teaching at the middle school, and so he asked me to help out, and we just kind of have built it up as we went, and, and uh, that's where we're at now. So, it uh, if what kind of training do you do? Like say for um, championship training, do you give advice? Do you give advice on? Uh, I don't know. What would you need? 
Well, Muscle mass building? That's what uh, I want to... <laughs> well, everybody gets a little something different out of it. We do do technique workouts, you know, because... Yeah, yeah, technique. That's boxing takes a lot of technique. It's not just... Uh, I think... Uh, I've, I've never been a huge fan of all of Tyson's conversations, but he did say something really uh, ingenious that uh, uh, tough guys get hurt, smart fighters win fights. And so... Uh, which is what Muhammad Ali was all about. There you go. And uh, the thing about it is, is uh, we do do a lot of cardio. Uh, and like I said, depending on what you're in there for, it's at, at your pace. Nobody's screaming and yelling at you like boot camp. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we try to encourage as a family, uh, the competition kids actually, some of them come in and teach my kids class so that they get the experience of teaching as well, because you learn a lot from teaching. Um, and on top of that, you know, it's, uh, we, we do do hip workouts, high intensity interval training, um, and a lot of precision, like bag work and stuff like that, uh, movement drills, because if your feet are really bad, if you, if you have poor feet, you're never going to hit anything. Um, so balance is something you get a lot of hand speed, uh, and the coordination comes, uh, I've had a lot of people come in and, and just self pace themselves. And I mean, I had a young man come in that was 200 and some odd pounds, 230 some pounds, and when he left for boot camp a few years later, he's 168 pounds. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's on your pace and what you put into it, and it's, like I said, we try to make it a more of a home than a, than a you know, fun to come work out and die. <laughs> right. <laughs> then come in and work out, be miserable, go home, be miserable, and you know, we want you to come back and, and enjoy the time you're in there. And I was down in that gym yesterday, and it's really nice. It really makes it seem like it would be fun to hit the bag for a while. I was looking at a, a training, I don't know what you call it. Is, is it a subscription? <laughs> when you go to a, uh, like the muscle shack type of a gym. And oh, a membership? A membership, yeah. and then you go on to one of their... Uh, regimen that they pick out for you and it was one to build muscle mass uh, for the roller derby team and it was a lot of hitting tires with sledgehammers and flipping ropes and I was telling my mom about it and it was I don't know three hundred dollars for three months or something she said you can get a tire here for nothing give me three hundred (laughs) dollars Well, one of the cool things, uh, like I said, the city's really good to us on uh, on the space and, and how much they charge us. So it allows me to, I, I only charge a kid 10 bucks a month for, uh, what is it, 12 classes. Um, and then the adults class is 30 bucks a month. And if you're college age or under, you're still in my kids class. And so uh, it, that's the nice part about it is so it doesn't cost you a ton of money to come in and train. Um, we make most of our money, but me and the other coach from sponsorships at, at, for events and things like that to kind of fund little things here and there in the gym to give back. Um, right now we're actually doing a t-shirt drive to fund a ring. We'll probably be doing a, a few other things like car washes, um, and, uh, maybe be looking at doing a raffle here in town. Now that everything's starting to ease out, become normal again, mm-hmm. you get to see people go by. So. <laughs> That's right. Uh, El, where are you from? Originally from West Virginia, of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up back east uh, in southwest West Virginia, pretty close to the triple point between Ohio, Kentucky, and, and West Virginia. Um, shoot, one of my one of my favorite people from back there, an old man that. Uh, we used to go to church with, he, uh, he ran Belgian workhorses and I learned a lot from working with him and, and being around him. I wish I could remember some of the smarter things he said. He had a second grade education, but he was probably one of the most smartest guys I ever met at 72 years old. Um, just down the earth and just good people, you know, yeah. not a malice in his entire body anywhere. So just on the other side of the mountains, I was still on the side of the mountains. Yeah, yeah, it's on the uh, it's on the western side of the Appalachian. So I'm, I'm still hillbilly, I guess, or Appalachian American. <laughs> well, me you... too, but it's the hills as well. That's the one I always like to use. Is I'm Appalachian American, just so you know. Mind my items. Um, <laughs> uh, did you, by any chance, learn to do any horse logging? 
manure. I learned from him a little bit about running Belgians, and mm-hmm. you know, he, he would get us out there doing stuff, trying to help uh, hang and cure tobacco in barns. And you know, we'd go to the, he'd take his horses to the different festivals and stuff like that. So, sugar cane festivals and stuff. So, you'd hook him up and watch him go and mm-hmm. learn to break the ground and stuff like that with four logs lead and yeah. riding on a discus seat is really scary because the discs are right underneath you. That was always my least favorite thing to sit on and ride behind the horses on this. I have ridden on that yeah, behind horses. Not very it's fun. not fun. <laughs> I felt it was not a place I belonged. I always thought the rake was worse, but yeah. What's the seatbelt? <laughs> Whoever put that little tiny metal seat for you to bounce up and down on above pending death is, <laughs> is a misogynist. He's <laughs> mentally. There's a reason people got, got drugged to death and disked up. Uh, have you moved around a lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course. Yeah. Military, yeah. but also. I moved out of uh, West Virginia. My dad got a job offer in uh, Kenwick, Washington to be ideals manager at a tech ed slash well tech ed is basically a company uh he now he he, he and the uh sales guy that was there when he was there both own it now and they still i mean they do stuff with egypt and uh thailand and taiwan and it's just all over the world and a bunch of places in the u.s so they do everything from like smart home technology and all kinds of trainer stuff for amazing things but yeah they uh he, he writes uh, books for Prentice Hall Book Company on C++ and all kinds of crazy stuff. So mm-hmm. pretty, he's a pretty smart guy. Um, but yeah, we moved out there in, in 88 and then, uh, yeah, 88, that's a long time ago. So we moved out there in 88 and then uh, I joined the military in 96. And I've seen so many places, it's not even funny, but thanks to the Marine Corps, they sent me everywhere, this hot quotation marks. <laughs> I feel like the biggest change probably was from West Virginia to Kenwick because (laughs) the difference in, I don't suppose the difference in lifestyle is a difference. Oh, that was hard. Yeah, that was, went from being busy all the time to not busy ever. Uh Um, Yeah, it was, it was definitely culture shock. The Tri-Cities now, when you go there, you know, there's like Road 100 and all those places are full of people. It was dunes. Yeah. Teenagers burned pallets and hung out out there to get away from their parents. Yeah. yeah, it was it was an interesting, interesting change the last time I went back and how many people were there and how much they built the area up. I mean, I've I've been to Okinawa, Australia, the Philippines. Um, I've been to Thailand, Korea. I've been to Mount Fuji, um, Australia, South Africa, Hong Kong. I've taken sand off the beach at Iwo Jima on a fam, uh, fam trip out there. I've been to Guam, uh, Hawaii. I've been all 50 states. Um, quite a few places. Even Delaware. Yeah, even Delaware. <laughs> it was easy to do Delaware. It's kind of like doing Rhode Island. It's, yeah, it's you blink. had to get yeah, somewhere. Just, yeah. Well, it, to be able to say you did it, going yeah. from one place to the other, from Maryland up to the coast. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, what's your favorite thing here? Favorite thing here? And I'll go regional if it's a regional. Boy, that's a tough one. I I have a lot of favorite things. I mean, there's always people that are difficult, but I I, I love the people (laughs) here in Pendleton, as heated as they are about loving to, to argue with each other. They also take pretty good care of each other when it comes down to it. Um, the community, I mean, I grew up in a really small town, so it, this is actually a big town compared to what I grew up as a kid. <laughs> I'm from Weston, um, so me too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We had a, a food king, gas station, fire station, uh, elementary school, and a junior high, and if you wanted to go to high school, you had to travel an hour one oh. direction or the other to the high school in the opposing towns, yeah. depending on which side of Route 60 you were on. <laughs> um, so it was it was pretty small. Everybody lived on either had a post office box or lived on something Creek Road, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I lived on Pine Creek Road. So yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. Howell's Mill. <laughs> I lived. Ours wasn't Creek. Howell's Mill Road. Well, so. that was like Creek was involved in the mill. I'm sure it, there was there was absolutely <laughs> yes. It, you followed the river all the way down, and sometimes it would flood our neighbors out, even though they were a long way away. But uh, yeah, it was. 
he was an interesting grown up. I uh, talking about here though, I, I uh, like I said, I, I love the community. Uh, I'm one of those people I, I really love communities that get behind each other and do things and and uh, I love building a community. I mean, that was just the way I grew up as a kid. You know, you, you take care of your neighbors and you do things for each other, and that's that's what builds a good community, which builds a bigger community, which builds a nice state, a nice county. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. You, you have to start small and build your way out. And if you don't do that, you're, it's like leaving sand and on the floor when you put your linoleum down, there will be a fissure somewhere. That's so, right. Yeah. What is that famous phrase? It's not the mountains on your journey that wear you out. It's the pebble in your shoe when you start. <laughs> that's true. So, but yeah, that's, that's, I like the community here. I, I haven't met a person I can't enjoy being around. I'm pretty easy going though, but <laughs> it's, it's hard to rile me up most of the time. But uh, How do you use the library? I haven't recently. I've been extremely busy and I do a lot of like reading on my own. Um, I will, I've been in here before. With, I brought my kids in here to look for books and things like that or just check out things. And, you know, they're older now. So if I had <laughs> little guys, I'd probably come in more often. I'll tell them that we do have uh, Nintendo Switch lights they can check out and games for them. So. I keep them so active they don't have time for that. <laughs> they, they play a little video game at home, but most of the time they're either helping me coach boxing or boxing. So, <laughs> But I do encourage uh, I do encourage knowledge in the kids that, that I coach and you know, because, like I said, boxers have to be smart. I mean... If you're not, somebody else has to manage your money if you become a professional or somebody else has to manage something for you if you're not intelligent. So, And I actually have a personal story here. My grandpa's oldest half-brother was a boxer in the 30s, a small guy in a small way, and he was not a smart boxer and he ended up doing time because the people that were managing him, that he married into... Uh, left him holding the bag. Oh, man. <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah. Well, and that's one of those things with the with our core values in there. You can't get into fights and stay in the gym. If you, yeah, because we're teaching you to punch people. I'm not trying to get you to the prison over here faster. I'm trying to get you into things, especially the kids who need extra and need a, a distraction from things that are that take them that direction. And I'm kind of a zero default guy thinks to the Marine Corps so when a kid doesn't work out it, it bums me out for a long period of time and and uh, you, you know people give me that speech you can't save them all well it doesn't mean I can't try that's right so uh, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to try right and you yeah. didn't save them now doesn't mean that you know didn't save them later you're talking about pen uh, having a great grandfather I mean <laughs> here in Pendleton I keep hearing about all these fan and boxing gyms upstairs of this place and uh, shout out to the lady at the rainbow she had some pretty awesome pictures of her and her family in gloves when her dad or, or I can't remember the exact story but boxing is silver gloves and you know just the res out there they have a they have a gym out there or did have a boxing team out there which eventually hopefully I can figure out a way to to help them out get something going or even combine something with them and, and get something nice going. I have a bunch of kids that come in from there from time to time to box and I mean some of my favorite people are, are, uh, are uh, my res kids because they are just amazing. Like, I, I, Me too. <laughs> I, I love I'm telling you there's, there's like uh, two of the kids I know that came in originally uh, their families still got kids in our club and I mean they're just they were a blessing in my life there's one I had to teach patience and the other one that I don't know what I taught him other than <laughs> I mean he, he, he would uh, he was he was much bigger than his brother two of them would we'd have to let them spar because if we didn't they would uh, they would they'll know who I'm talking about now but so would their mom but they were they were wonderful wonderful boys and I I I, I love when you bring more than one community together because it's the worst thing you can have is is division of two people looking at each other differently because of any reason and you know having the res kids in the box and kids from weston you know or pilot rock kids i've got kids now coming from hermiston and, you know just like the hermiston pendleton rivalry 
I, I understand it because I'm a West Virginia Mountaineers fan. So I, <laughs> I fully understand wanting to go to the other town and be like, oh, we're going to stomp everything flat here. But at the same time, if you build a, a fissure too big, then they never get around it and you can't have a, a good cohesion when you need to. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things I, I love when something that brings more than one community together. Um, I tell you, it's, it's the kids in these neighborhoods and uh, around this town here, just it's, they're so much different and so much alike. You'd think you lived in LA because of the different personalities and how far different they are. But yeah, I, I really enjoy the, enjoy our community. It's a pretty cool place. Uh, what is the farthest you've been from home? We've kind of went over this. Okinawa, Hong Kong. South Did Africa, you? Yeah. I guess, would probably be the farthest, maybe? Probably. I don't know. I, it sounds like it. I it's think like halfway away from here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to the other place. <laughs> I know I, when I left Okinawa, Japan, I left at 8 a.m. on Thursday and showed up at home at 7 a.m. on Thursday. <laughs> that, was a, that was a real killer. I tried... <laughs> It's a long flight too, man. I'm like, did, did I? Did we hit? 88, we hit 88 miles an hour. We did, didn't we? I didn't see the flames behind the plane. Uh, when you were in Hong Kong, did you have a suit made for yourself at a at a little? <laughs> not in Hong Kong. That <laughs> we'll say not in Hong Kong. But yes, I've had one made thing, overseas. That's my favorite thing about Hong Kong is that it just somehow everybody goes there to have a weird tailored suit made. Please, someone <laughs> who has had that experience, come on the podcast. But tell me all about it. They that. would come to the. As a matter of fact, there was a gentleman that would come to the barracks on base. They'd let him in. We had uh, ladies on every floor that would do laundry. And they would starch, and if they if you use their machine that they were using or tried to squeeze in to use one of the machines, they'd yell at you because that was their time with the machine uh-huh. to wash. But this guy would come in and he would take orders and he would go have custom clothes made for you. And I'm pretty sure most of the clothes he he sold there were knockoffs. Timmy Elfinger, not Tommy. And <laughs> Robert Loren, not Ralph. But uh <sighs> Yeah, he made me a nice tailored leather jacket. And it was real leather, you know. I, How I was could, the fit? It was great, except for I lived in Okinawa, which is a subtropical island. So it never <laughs> the humidity was never nice to it, wearing leather. Did it mold away? No, no, okay. it was just always you couldn't I couldn't wear it there. I had to wait till I got off the island to wear it. <laughs> it wasn't a cool enough night. Uh, what's a reference question you've always wanted to ask? Ooh, that's a good one. I, I always, I'm a very inquisitive person, so I'm, I'm one of those people that I, I even the dumb inquisitive things like, uh, oh, uh, oh, I know. I've been, uh, how, uh, I've always wanted to know how music, ge- uh, geometry, and physics all work together because there are books out there. I've read one. There's a few more that I want to go looking for. I'm guessing you guys probably have in here mm-hmm. that that basically compare how physics and, and music go hand in hand and, and how mathematics go hand in hand with music because all of them, when you look at it, even some of the sciencey stuff like conch shells and all the vibrations that cause conch shells and stuff are all harmoniously physics. Right. So, it's, you know, if you if you're one of those kids out there that doesn't think you're sciencey, <laughs> but get a kick out of things that you're like, oh wow, that really made that. If you're one of those people that goes on uh, that guy who ruins everything show, just Adam to see, ruins yeah, everything. Adam yeah. ruins everything. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't have to be. Uh, let's see, you, your inner geek can come out and enjoy things. It's it's all right because having the knowledge and. This generation of kids, I tell you what, I, I can imagine that the library probably, you guys probably fight the YouTube a lot because there's a lot on YouTube well, that kids learn from. Even though it's, some of it's stupid, there's a lot of educational stuff. It's amazing. That is the reason that we don't say you can only read books in here or you can only look at certain websites in here. We're not going to tell you how to get the information that you need. You get the information you need the way you need to get it. 
Absolutely. We'll help you out. We're here to make sure that you get what you need. We don't care where. I kind of segued into that. I, I knew you guys kind of did that. <laughs> I've used your computer in here before to find stuff for the kids. So. I do draw the line at certain things, but. Well, by far. Everybody should. <laughs> That's really manner. more of a public indecency. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dr. Bo Benson, the um, director for the Oregon East Symphony, was in a couple of weeks ago doing a podcast with me, and we were talking about uh, music is math. Mm-hmm. So, are you interested in music? Math will help you out. Are you struggling with math? Look at how it helps musicians make music. Helps with rhythm, too. Helps with rhythm. Fibonacci scale, where everything doubles or halves infinitely. As a matter of fact. Golden mean, all these things. It's easier to jump a rope to rhythm. It is. Uh, when you're even teaching the speed bag, and uh, you, you, people always look at it and go, I can't do that. And I'm like, you just have to count. And they're like, what do you mean count? <laughs> well, you hit it. You listen, one, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Once you get that rhythm, you can speed the rhythm up. Just like speeding up the rhythm in music. Mm-hmm. So... You can't uh, can't start out all thought fast and, and heavy with it and think you're going to be able to keep up. You both got to build a rhythm. So it's it's one of those things. Of, uh, even though it's just basic counting, it's still it's uh, one of those things that uh, if, if people learn to slow down and and uh, and just not try to fire on all jets early to go. Yeah, that's everything's right. easy. Even even uh, even learning things. <laughs> Once you find how to begin, how you begin, mm-hmm. then you can learn anything. Well, that's one of those things about teaching and learning, too, is there's different ways that people learn. Um, you know, even with my kids, I would teach them the, like spelling words. They used to hate it, but I'd make them go write their spelling words. And then they would come and they would do like a spelling bee with me where they'd have to say it, spell it, say it. So you're getting audible. Uh, you're getting repetitive and you're getting written. Mm-hmm. And those are three of the major ways of people retaining knowledge when they do things because not everybody is, i got to write it down, I'll write it down, I'll write it down. Then you just wrote a bunch of stuff and you don't remember any of it. Right. So, I mean, even music helps with that. They mm-hmm. believe that, you know, you listen to certain music and then you take your test and you hear that music, it's a little easier to re- rekindle those. Mnemonic things. devices. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what do you wish people knew about your job? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's a pretty fun job. We get a lot of people who are, are weather nuts, I guess they call themselves, weather mm-hmm. enthusiasts. Um, it's not an easy job. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into the science of weather that, I mean, it's not like um, you're going to get an exact result every time you put the calculations and the things together when all everything's said and done that doesn't mean you're going to get either a or b um terrain here really influences a lot of our weather doesn't and, uh, it? <laughs> it does that's why it can be 10 degrees difference between the town and and the airport um it's also the reason why you get 1300s at my house and nothing at the airport so and in other places we, we cover a pretty large area all the way up to lake easton all the way down to lake wiki up uh, on the Cascade Spine, through the John Day Highlands, into the Imnaha, which is at the tip there in Wallowa County, and then all the way up to the uh, Blue Mountains of Oregon and Washington, the Columbia Basin, and Yakima, and Kittitas Valleys, and then back over in, like I said, eastern area. So it's a pretty, pretty large area for the southern, or for the uh, lower 48. I mean, I don't know that there's a bigger one than what we have. I think Alaska's. <laughs> About Probably, it. yeah. Yeah. So, not not many areas of responsibility much bigger than ours if there are. So, plus we've got all these bumps to worry about, <laughs> depending on which direction the system comes in and how fast or slow. If it slows down, then it can change a whole lot because the energy and the like, the instability and the and the temperatures all have to meet a certain place to do certain things. And sometimes that can, and we're very marginal here, so that can be a really big. Thing is timing. I mean, if the cold air is in the right place, when the instability goes over, we don't get freezing rain; we get regular rain. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know things of that nature. Or even with thunderstorms, like we had, uh, if we don't get the the heating, I mean, we we were gonna we were setting some pretty heavy duty records there for June, and 
Yeah. All of a sudden we got the thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the heating the next couple of days was the fact that the clouds came in and then we weren't getting direct sun. Yeah. So that slowed down a lot of our heating. So instead of having a couple more days of that hundred and some odd degree, we started to cool off. Uh, I don't know that anybody was complaining that we were, <laughs> that, that, that it was cooler than we thought it was going to be after the thunderstorms, but it's a little bit of a blessing. I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the error on that one yeah. any day. <laughs> it was, uh, I did not expect the thunderstorms to make it cooler. I expected it just to kind of get to be more like a, a crock pot. <laughs> A lot like Mississippi when thunderstorms leave there. We did right. get a lot more humid. We went from 5% humidity to in the 50% humidity. I didn't know it was that much. Yeah. Wow. I went after this, when those thunderstorms came through, we were up to about 50-something percent humidity or better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, the cooling-wise, like if you're in Yuma, Arizona, we've had people down there get like the shivers, you know, outside, <laughs> which is funny to say in Yuma, Arizona, but if you get a thunderstorm that comes across the desert and you sit 115, all of a sudden it's 80 degrees, that's a big yeah. swing in temperature no matter, I mean, it's right. still not cold, but if you're acclimatized <laughs> to 115 and all of a sudden it's 80 and you haven't seen it in months, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's like those crazy Alaskans when I was up there it get up to 50-something degrees in Valdez, Alaska, and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. And I'm like... The swimming weather, surely. <laughs> like, you're hot? Really? They're like, open a window, we're melting. I'm like, oh my goodness. I just came from the desert. I don't know what you're talking about. I was all winter long, I looked like a snow mummy. Uh, here they're walking around. It really made me feel bad. The weather service uh, storefront was uh, in this building that's um, just basically had storefronts, and it had apartments on top. And one of the ladies that rented an apartment on top had a teenage daughter who was a senior on the volleyball team. And she would go to school with a foot of snow on the ground, but everything's plowed and slides, socks, volleyball shorts, knee pads around her ankles, and a t-shirt. I'm dressed like I'm going to the Antarctic. Every time I walk by her, it's like, oh, I'm the biggest sissy in the world. I'm such a desert rat right now. I can't wait until I get acclimatized so I don't look like that guy. <laughs> 54 degrees, that's comfortable for me. I want to be at 54 degrees all the time. I'd take 70. San Diego, I was there if it wasn't for... That was one community that was rough for me because... And Okinawa is a little rough for me because of how many people were there. I'm not a, I, I'm not a big I want to go to Portland person. Seattle, that's just too many people in the place for me. Uh, you suck the energy right out. That and I, I like open spaces. I mean, if uh, the good Lord provided me this nice house here in town, <laughs> but uh, I was even looking to be further out somewhere between Pilot Rock and Pendleton or something like that, where you know you could enjoy open space and, and not having a neighbor right there, yeah. even though I like my neighbors. I like yeah. the space too. Until I'm getting I was, old, so I understand old guys going, get out of my yard, in even my, though I'm nice. <laughs> in my mid-30s, I, uh, until I was in my mid-30s, I lived in a house that had no visible neighbors. Mm. You could see the towns, but they were two and three miles away. Could not see anybody else. There were people closer, but it was on a top, and they were down in the creeks, and <clears throat> that was, that's, that would be that nice. is good for me. Yeah, I'd like that. that that's... Yeah, it was great. Because you don't have to worry about people, you know, dropping in. Nobody yeah. drops in. You see them coming. But my wife laughed at me this year. I I like going out and doing things. I mean, I just, like I said, every neighbor I've ever had has always been good to me. And, you know, growing up in a church back east, everybody did stuff for each other. I mean, and they didn't. There wasn't a reason for it. They just did it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, little things I try to teach my kids, you know, about taking care of neighbors. And this year, my back was absolutely killing me. I would shovel off the shovel the sidewalk sometimes, and they'll help me out. And they sent me indoors. They're like, Dad, go inside. We'll get the sidewalks. I was like, oh, come on now. But I was sitting there talking to them. Since they're both getting old, I'm going to have to get, like, something with a, like a formula with a plow on it so I can get all the neighbors' sidewalks done. <laughs> and well. Like, and she was making fun of me going, do you do you see yourself? And I'm like, well, yeah. It's like something I started. I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well also be efficient about it. Yeah. And get a new (laughs) four-wheeler with it. Save my back while I'm at it. Absolutely correct. That way I can keep moving and moving and moving. (laughs) Plus, like you said, I get a toy out of it, I guess. (laughs) 
I wasn't thinking that at first, but that's always. Yeah, I'm always thinking about where new toys come from. Uh, what's your favorite dream? Favorite dream? Oh man. Well, my personal favorite dream would be like to. Oh, everybody wants to win the lotto. Man, I could I could handle that and go move out in the middle of somewhere like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, though, you know, I, I've i always had this thing, and I, I tell my kids, you know, the reason I do the boxing thing is I, I want some kid somewhere down the line to go back and tell his kids, you know, there was this coach. Um, um, <laughs> and that's pretty much it, is to, to be an impact on people and, and to, to know somebody out there was, you know, I don't have to be famous, I don't have to be anything as long as I had some sort of good impact on somebody somewhere down the line and it changed their life, I guess is, is one of those things. And I mean, that's that's the best you can hope for, I think. Right. I mean, people like to have everybody look at them and they're an impact on somebody. It's just, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. And me, I, I don't... I don't have to have all the extra stuff about it. I just, hopefully somewhere down the line, somebody has a better life because of me. I agree. Can you roller skate? <laughs> yeah, I can still roller skate. I can roller fall pretty well too sometimes. I am hoping that it is roller disco because that's what I'm going to picture. I don't ride motorcycles or bicycles as much anymore because of some injuries in the military. I, I racked up 12 concussions in eight years that were bad ones. So my equilibrium's bad. So there's no sense in leaning left. So I've been down there with the kids' classes to roller skate and stuff like that. And I enjoy going down on roller skating. Sis, I don't have the equilibrium for it as much anymore. I'll get one. I tell you, one of the kids kamikaze me the last time I was at the roller rink and from the, from the school, which was years ago. And I had to do a two-foot hop over, uh-huh. and I, it was not good. I missed the kid. Well, that's I, the I definitely free willied over the kid, but I, <laughs> I, I definitely free willied into the into the floor too when I when I landed. So that happened to more than one person that I have talked to about oh, roller my. skating here, so, especially. Oh man, it's just it was the kid was like a heat-seeking missile, just like wobble, 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 <laughs> wobble, hands floating, eyes big, and I'm like, oh no! And then he hit the floor, and I was like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Don't stand up, kid. I've got to jump, so. What about ride a horse? I have ridden horses. I like horses. Um, matter of fact, the gentleman I worked for, I asked him once. He, he did all of his all his farmings without tractors. I mean, sugar cane, tobacco, sweet corn, silver corn for feeding the horses, you know, all that stuff. His own personal garden. I asked him why he didn't have a tractor. And he said, well, you know, gas is going to get expensive one day. Because it's not it's not an indefinite amount of gas. I mean, there's not an unlimited supply, and a tractor just doesn't have the personality of a horse. And you know, I, that's why I said before, I really wish I could remember a lot more what that guy said to me <laughs> over the years. Uh, you know, as a kid, you don't listen well enough. So I, I always have to use the same words on my kids that, I, that my father used on me, and I'm like, oh, oh that hurts. Oh, that hurts. I'm gonna have to tell him I did it too. He was I right can. all along. Well, I, I tell you what, it didn't take... I got in the Marine Corps and I started figuring that out. Because, you know, teenagers know everything. As a matter of fact, if you could just harness the knowledge of a teenager. Um, <laughs> maybe the enthusiasm and knowledge. Yeah, the belief in their knowledge. Right, That's the belief the in the fact that they can convince anybody that they're right, including themselves. What project are you working on now? Um, mainly just the boxing club. Uh we are Blancs Boxing. Uh, probably by the end of the year, Mike's job and family's taking him up to Walla Walla, and he's he's opening up a club there and, and uh, looking to impact people up there and do you know, do the fight scene out of there as well. And and uh, he's been nice enough to keep his name down here, so we didn't have to go through too much changing over for anything. And so we're gonna be uh, changing over. Uh, be looking to do a five hundred one three C change uh change it over to Pendleton boxing and keep teaching kids to box and hopefully some of them that if they don't move out of here and they continue boxing one day I can hand it to them and they can take over and keep boxing here because like I said it's, it had a boxing had a big root here for yeah. years and years and years out on the res here in town I mean I've heard stories of this place that place everything in town here and how much boxing was good um Hopefully we can get a lot of people interested in it again and, and 
amateur boxing is amazing because I mean you get the questions about getting punched in the head and to be honest with you amateur boxing is more about uh, the experience of things we don't match kids up to get them beat up we uh, if it's a bad fight it's three rounds we throw the towel if it's not good every time a kid doesn't even answer a punch correctly like say one kid throws a series of punches and the other kid seems somewhat tentative they'll stop the match and do a standing eight count to make sure that kid doesn't distribute any of the or display any of the uh uh, concussion stuff and that, that is if you get knocked down and don't get up you're done for a month you don't come back to boxing you don't practice you don't anything until we're sure you get your concussion stuff done and, and it's a really big deal we teach punching the body and moving so one of those deals but it's, it's one of those things where I really really do want to get Pendleton back into boxing and, and supporting it I mean we, uh, we actually were throwing fights up till COVID. We had a two-day tournament and scheduled. It was actually supposed to be a nationally ranked tournament because the first two tournaments we threw here at the middle school. And Dave and those guys at the middle school and Matt, when he was up there, they were great for giving us a space. They allowed us to use the gym up there. I mean, it's, it's amazing guys. They, uh, they allowed us to really build this program. Um, and behind that, the we had two tournaments up there the first year. Mike and a guy named Jason from Hillsboro and I put on a show uh, that brought in, let's see, the first year, I think it was 85 kids to box over two days in a tournament. And the second year was 135 kids from 15 different states. Uh, two of the teams came from Hawaii and stayed seven days because they liked <laughs> Pendleton so much the first time they were here. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Hawaii to Pendleton. <laughs> that's a change maybe yeah. they're in here going ooh wow <laughs> but the because uh, most people in Pendleton probably like are you going to send me to Hawaii I'll go to Hawaii <laughs> so, I went to Whitman College in Walla Walla and there were a lot of Hawaiian kids there we had just but why that's good school we wanted to come and see also they didn't know how to make a snowman so they had to read Calvin and Hobbes to see how he goes about it to get started. That's it, funny. It's adorable. I loved it. <laughs> the, uh, what is it? Uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's the project we're working on, really. Is I, I'm putting a new ring. He took the uh, sparring ring up there so they can spar. He's got yeah. some kids that are pretty active and fighting right now. Mm-hmm. So we moved the ring up there so that they could use it. I'm trying to put a brand new one back down in here. So we have one so that I have probably about five or six kids that are really interested getting their first fights ever so it's it's been really a, a labor of love trying to get them ready and, and get them out we gotta get out and start sparring with some different groups uh, see he's got that he, he's in Walla Walla now up there teaching a little bit but uh, there's another gym in, in uh, Milton Freewater a couple couple kids that were coming down kids to me relatively Right, so they're like One, One's a kid, and <laughs> one's a kid, and the other's his older brother who's an adult. But, <laughs> so uh, they, they would come down and spar with us a little bit and work out with us, and he's just opened a gym. So it's really nice to be able to start building a boxing community here yeah. in Eastern Oregon. A little region. Uh, LeGrand had a guy teaching there for a little while. I don't know if, if he's still open over there. Um, but, you know, we... Saw the Dallas open and close in Warm Springs. That's another place I want yeah. to see if I can get over and get into the boxing tournament at Warm Springs, maybe. Uh, take a few fighters over there because they always have a boxing tournament every year. And it'd be nice to be part of their tradition. Yeah. And it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, and what's the best project you've done in the past 12 months? Thinking about COVID times, it's the past 12 months. Um, just keeping people busy. As yeah. much as we can around COVID, keeping the exercise up because exercise is key to staying healthy. Yeah, I mean it's it's not fun sometimes, and I have kids that come in that don't like to run, and I go, you know what, running's going to get easier. It's not going to get funner for you because you don't like running. <laughs> but I mean, it is just one of those things. But just keeping active, folks. And I mean, I was happy to see one of our kids get out of here and go in the Marine Corps. I have another one that's interested in being a pilot in the Marine Corps, so we stay on her and keep her working. Yeah. Just the kids in general. I mean, trying to make sure that they, they, you know, I'm not their, not their parents, but if the, the most help I can give them on staying focused and moving toward a good goal, 
I was impressed that there were still so many kids who came back after COVID mm. to box. That was good. That shows it's a good program that you guys are doing some good there. I actually exploded after after uh, after COVID was was starting to curtail a little bit. Uh-huh. I had one kid come in and talk to another couple of kids. He was my salesman, apparently, and and then he talked to a few more. And the next thing I know, I had twenty something kids in class. Get that kid a business card. Right, it's a promoter. I'm, I'm not kidding. I uh, he he really did help me out a bunch, and he's a, he he's a pretty interesting young man. He's, he's really wanted to get in there and start hitting the bag, and um, but yeah, yeah, just the different kids and their personalities. I mean, I've never met a a, a mean nasty kid. Uh, I mean, if they ever do mean, nasty things, then the first thing I start looking for is where'd they learn it? So. Usually becomes apparent quickly. <laughs> it, it can be. It's not always. Sometimes it's it's just by things at school where they've picked it up from somebody else and then you have it from a different, I guess, a parent somewhere down the line somewhere. Some grown-up somewhere has probably showed them how to be mean and nasty to somebody. Or they're mean and nasty to somebody else and, you know, just by example. Yep. That's how adults act. Well, that's that's the crazy thing. Most people don't realize their kids are soaking up knowledge by watching them. You don't have to interact with your kids for your kids to learn good and bad things from them. That's true. Uh, there's no such thing as a not leader. Everybody's <laughs> a leader one way or the other. You're either a good leader or a bad leader. You're yeah. that, I mean, you just, there's no in between. You're always doing something that somebody's learning from, and everybody's always watching. But please interact with your kids because absolutely <laughs> that's the important good part. interaction too. You know, yeah. get them get them busy, even if you're not interested in what they're interested in. Um, try to find a way to at least be involved with it enough. Put your hands into it every now and then, just because yeah. um, you'll never. You know, mine are 21 and 18, and uh, you, my dad told me enjoy the time while you got it because. <laughs> Uh, there'll come a time when you turn around and you're like, wow, it's really quiet in here. And uh, you wish you had that time back. Uh, military taught me that because, you know, the uh, first few years of my oldest kid's life, I mean, I was constantly on the go. I was either sleeping or, or you know, kissing him on the head, go back to work kind of thing because I had uh, my main job in the military, but I had other little billeting stuff like teaching marksmanship and stuff like that so if I wasn't at that job I was doing something else and I'd come home and sleep fall asleep with my camouflage utilities on <laughs> get up take them off I'm gonna take a shower put a different pair of camouflage on kiss them on the head and go back out yeah. and that was really rough um, so at that point on when I got this this job that made life a lot easier I mean I worked two when I got out of the military to get the job in Alaska that moved me down here eventually and once I got to that point, I was just all about spending that time, you know, whether it be helping coach or helping whatever, spending time with them, doing, doing whatever could uh, help them along a little bit, um, and just being involved, trying to understand what's going on. Now, can you cook? I can, depending on, my wife will argue with me over this one because I've made some pretty crappy things in the past out of necessity to just make something and with no supplies. Uh, I can cook. Um, you can She cooks yourself. way better than I do. i got to give her props because she'll break my legs if I don't. Of course. Um, she's meaner than me. Yeah. But uh, I, I like to grill and I like to cook things. and uh, I tell you... My oldest kid, he he absolutely loves to cook. He's he's one of those uh, one of those kids. He thought about doing it as a profession, and then we started looking at the profession. And it's kind of like he wanted to do art work as well. And I was like, well, make sure that you have something to back it up because art's a starving profession. It's one of those things. Unless you... it's tattoo art. No, not always. There's a lot well, of starving always. tattoo artists too. <laughs> you but have you to be really good. good at it. Yeah, yeah. you have to become. Really yeah, uh, I used to design flash art. That was one of the many. I'm a jack of all trades kind of guy, so I got tons of little books of artwork and stuff, and so that's kind of I think where he got it from. And and uh, and yeah, it's, there's a lot of people out there that, that do artwork. Yeah, but they don't make a lot of money off artwork. You have to be really good at it. And you're right, cooking in a kitchen in a restaurant situation in the first place not the paycheck that you would want in the second place horrible 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 hours yeah. yeah i have and... a buddy who got out his uh 
<laughs> his whole job, he went to Seattle and went to the, the school there for had a really good job and first place out. That was one of the things he recommended if uh, if my oldest kid wanted to do that and he, he did the schooling for it, that he would he could stay with him while he's up in Seattle learning and going to the school there and, and work part time in that because he had a little pool in that restaurant. So I was like, ooh. That is a great start. That would be a great start for him, yeah. So. But also, what an incredibly hard job. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's... And most people don't realize you got to wash some dishes to get to where you get to be. That's the hardest part with kids, I think, <laughs> is telling them there's a lot of dirty work you're going to do before you get into doing the, the cushy stuff that you see on TV that everybody wants to do. And you'd better do it because you have to know how every part of your restaurant works. Well, and it's the same thing when you own something or do anything. The people who work for you have to have to really believe that you will get your hands dirty with them. That's right. And that is the easiest way to get people to work for and with you. That's right. Is it, because if all you're going to do is armchair quarterback, there's not a lot of respect in that. I mean, people do it, and if that's if the coworker or the uh, their their workers are comfortable with them being just the person who plans things because that's what they're really good with that's fine but uh, they should should uh, have confidence that you'll help them clean <laughs> and right. other things if it has to come down to it you, you'll put your you'll bitch in and out so uh, are you grilling tonight for dinner no 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 no, no. I uh, boxing class takes me from six o'clock at night till about nine o'clock so so if, usually, like if I work, I'll get off of work, come home, grab a quick snack, drink a lot of water, go back and teach boxing. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite website? Ooh, here's my chance to plug uh, the National Weather Service website. That's weather.gov/pdt. Papa Delta Tango. Actually, I am going to put a your, link for that. All your weather knowledge. You can go to that site, and there's tons of stuff on there. We have a Facebook page and some other stuff. Um, I'll be honest. I like YouTube for things that I don't know. I I did I did work in the military with combat fighting, but I had to teach myself. The other Mike was the amateur boxer. Mm-hmm. I was just the guy who was the wrestler and had done McMath and all the other stuff in the military. So I had to teach myself some of the finer arts. Even though I like boxing a lot, and I understood boxing. Uh, that was the way we solved problems at my mom's grandmother's house my uncles would go out in the yard my grandmother would chase them out of the house fighting with each other with a broom and they'd go outside my oldest uncle on her side of the family was a uh, silver gloves and then uh, golden gloves and the air horse in Guam so he knew how to box so I learned a little bit from him and uh, like I said working with Mike and, and him teaching a lot uh, like Blanc helped out a whole bunch of Plus, I'd start doing some research. Anytime I have another coach in here that talks about boxing or does anything, I, you know, I try to pay attention to what they're teaching their kids. Um, we've traveled up to uh, Spar with Righteous and Chosen in the Tri-Cities a lot, and Roy and, uh, and Martin up there. I've learned a lot from those guys on boxing as well. And they're, they're an amazing boxing club up there in the Tri-Cities. It's uh, pretty cool stuff. And they're all about the kids. And, and of course, if you can't tell by the uh, by the name, they're, uh, they're also... Uh, they, they have a very core group that's based on religion, so it's, they do wonders for the kids up there and keep them. They're, they're pretty blessed up there. So, uh, what was the last movie you saw or TV show you binged? Anything crime. I'm sure one day if I ever get arrested for anything, they're gonna be like, "This guy watched a lot of CSI." <laughs> NCIS. I must say, I really like my stupid stupid 90s movies Empire Records things of that nature as a matter of fact my poor boxing kids they could, some of the older ones come over on a Saturday to hang out with me and, and binge old high school movies for me and go well I've never seen this this is really kind of cool you guys aren't as lame as we thought you were <laughs> we're Generation X we're the least lame but we don't care right <laughs> I can't believe they made movies like that this is so stupid like you can't tell what's going to happen well, yeah, but that was the fun part, getting there. Wayne's World. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wayne's World. <laughs> um, Master of Disguise was on last weekend. My mom had oh, never God. seen it, and I had to go do something with Dad, so we turned it on and then His laughed. Uh, this turtle! <laughs> Dana Carvey, anytime. But Well, both know. those guys. They ended well, they up have both bo- uh, Austin Powers and... <laughs> she's... 
A whole lot of Wayne and Garth. All those. I mean, Night at the Roxbury. Ones. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, what was the last book you read? Um, last book I read was uh, Bowling Alone, which is a really cool book about society and and how we how, where we've come to. I mean, we can kind of blame some of it, I guess, on social media because it's easier to be friends with somebody so far away and not with your neighbor right next door. Um, communities have got a lot larger. You know, the echo chambers have got a lot larger. So if you don't want to have to be in agreement with somebody who might have a slightly different opinion, you can always go online and find somebody who believes exactly the same way you do. That's right. And then go find those people and yell at them. So. That's right. <laughs> no, but it, it's a pretty good book about society and how much bowling alleys used to be full of people of all types. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could go bowling with, you know, people from your church, somebody down the way, you know, anything like that. And even if you didn't, Democrat, Republican, whatever you want to call yourself. <laughs> um, and it didn't matter. You still bowled together. You, you might disagree on a few things here on the scorecard, but usually everything was really civil. People talked. How's your family? You know, and it was more of that than all the extracurricular stuff we do nowadays. So. It reminds me of another '90s movie. I think it's '90s Kingpin. Oh yeah, 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 Kingpin. Uh, which most of you know, it's dirty, funny, but Bill Murray, yes, and the toupee. Oh. <laughs> It's the funniest thing he ever did. Ever. Ever. Um, I'll back it up against Mm. anything. It's my favorite thing. Because he pays absolutely no attention to it. It's not part of anything that he does. It's like it's not even happening. I don't know. I've seen him in a few things where he just rambles, and he's like Chevy Chase about rambling. It's it's not funny, but it's funny at the same time. Like Fletch and things like that. Fletch yeah. isn't really that funny, but it is. Yeah. And them together. Oh, my. <laughs> I think even better is Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, my favorite John You're Candy. the wrong way. <laughs> is um, Great Outdoors. Because uh, the bear jumps on him. Yes. <laughs> on the door. On the door, yeah. That was pretty funny. There are delightful parts Uncle of that Uncle Buck was that. really good. Oh, it was. I have a friend who just... garbage will... for breakfast, remember? <laughs> Ramble on and say the lines. Oh, over I, I'm and that over. guy. That's another one of those mighty ones. <laughs> What's your name, Bug? Lies in spray? <laughs> That's yeah. the first Macaulay Culkin movie, isn't it? I... Was that the first one? Yeah, it was the first one. He's and then tiny. Home Alone came right after that. Yeah. Yep, and that little girl that was in it with him, too. I forget what she went on to do, but she went on to do something else, too, I think. She was so pretty. <laughs> the, uh... Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of a tune <laughs> Have you ever heard of a ritual killing? <laughs> oh, oh, that was so funny. That and his, uh... What was the other one? Uh, the Jamaican bobsled team. Oh, yeah. Cool Runnings. Oh, Cool Runnings. That has to be one of the goofiest (laughs) movies. That was back when you could just laugh at everything because comedy was just what it was. I mean, it it wasn't under a microscope for everything. We weren't looking for a reason to be angry. We were looking for a reason to laugh because you had plenty of reasons at work to be angry and plenty of reasons in your life to be angry. The 70s were a bad time for a lot of people. Yeah. So 80s and 90s movies are silly. Well, anytime you get Charles Bronson and, and Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry, or I forget what the other one is, and I mean, yeah, ah, as Charles Bronson, ah, as far as I know. <laughs> I love Clint Eastwood movies, but I don't know how scary, other than him and he's 44. The 44 is scary. Clint Eastwood really wasn't that scary. Although Maybe I'm just sure a he's a tall jerk. guy. <laughs> you feel lucky? Actually, I do. <laughs> you look old enough that I can outrun you. Yeah, there you go. Zigzag. Uh, <laughs> serpentine, serpentine, serpentine. <laughs> what is your favorite book? Um, my favorite, you know, I I have a bunch of favorites. I mean, there's, of course, my, uh, I, I like reading my Bible. Uh, I love the art of war. Uh, every, 
Every Marine loves the art of war. They make you read it. They <laughs> rifle with Dodd as well and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of all types of different books. I used to read Stephen King all the time. Uh, I found out I was dyslexic for years. Huh. After, uh, years afterwards, I found out in the military. So all the times I had to reread stuff, I wasn't as dumb about English as I thought it was. I just had to reread it to make sure. It was, wait, what did that say? <laughs> but, you know, Anne Rice was always the big 90s thing, too. Everybody read all those. And, I mean, I, I've read a lot of books. Uh, let's see. If I was going to recommend one, I like Tommy Knox. Tommy Knockers was a really fun book. It's not one for the kids, of course. I read it when I was a teenager. Um, it was a really cool book. The whole point of a Stephen King book isn't that the monsters are scary. It's that the people are scary. Well, the people are the monsters. That's, that's right. The, that's the amazing part of this. <laughs> I will tell you, I can watch any horror movie that you throw in front of me. I survived Jason. I survived Mike Myers and his goofy rubber mask. I survived Freddy waking you up in the middle of the night. Even got the Fresh Prince if you listen loud enough. <laughs> but yeah, you did Nightmare on My Street by the Fresh Prince. There was an actual song about Freddy Krueger. Right. And so, I mean, those are fine. It's the movies that are plausible, like Torista. And stuff where people literally kidnap people. That's scary as can be. I mean, that's the sad thing is, is where do we get that knowledge for that kind of stuff? I mean, I understand where we got makeup, make believe stuff. I mean, the Greeks were talking about gods back in the day, you know, and and evil beasts. But, you know, the fact of kidnapping somebody and putting them in a contraption like Saul, that means somewhere down the line, somebody's thought of this. That's right. So, yeah, those, those are the ones that spook me. I don't, I don't like books like that or. A realistic thing. I mean, that's really funny out of somebody who doesn't like video games, like shooter video <laughs> games that are all make believe. Like, oh, what was that one that the kids were playing for forever? It's a bunch of cartoon characters flying all over the place, and I'm like, oh, or Halo. That's not real. It's a combat simulator. It should be like Call of Duty. Stop jumping around doing tactical cartwheels. <laughs> tactical cartwheels. <laughs> Dad, it's just the video game. Yes, I know. Uh, it's not. It could be better. Um, what's the last transportation problem you had? Oh, transportation problems. Well, they're just maintaining vehicles. I mean, I, actually, you asked. We were talking about that before. I've been in auto accidents. I guess oh, wow. I, that would be. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've actually flown. It is that does very hard stop to transportation. That was an accident. I think one of the craziest ones I was in is uh, I've been dumped on a motorcycle before by somebody. But the craziest one, I was coming out of Scripps Poway Road in San Diego County down to base. And somebody came over my lane and I thought, oh, I've seen what a pit maneuver is. I'm going to hit this guy. So I pulled over into the median where it opened up beyond these concrete barriers. I hit one of those stupid medians in California that's like poured a foot deep, went airborne, came down in oncoming traffic going the other way at 55 miles an hour, drove back across the median, made it through my side and onto the side of the road in a Saturn SL2. <laughs> the state cops stood out there with me after nobody stopped to help me. Nobody, the guy who caused it just hit the gas harder. Of course. And uh, I, I'm telling you, I, I, he stood there and he kept looking back and forth. He goes, I can see how you got across this side. I don't know how you drove it back up and over looking at that car. That car is amazing. <laughs> he goes, and it only looks like the shock struts broke on it. And it cost me 3500 bucks through my insurance to fix the whole stupid car it was covered. I mean, I, literally, I paid the $500 deductible and got my car back. And it ran like a jewel for another 100,000 miles. So you can say what you want about a Saturn with those flexi bumpers. And mine was seafoam green with gray bumpers. So it looked like something that even a kid wouldn't buy as a Hot Wheels. But, but it... It was an amazing car. It's like a Blues Brothers car. Oh, it was. Some cars are just so ugly they won't die. I mean, literally, like Taurus. That's why Taurus was such a nice car for people who are reliable, because they were so ugly that people couldn't kill them. Yeah. They're like, nah, dude, you're stuck with me. I'm turd, I'm turd brown. <laughs> Forever. Forever. <laughs> uh, how were you inspired to get into the job you have? <laughs> By accident. <laughs> the military, uh, I, I went in the Marine Corps. I was, uh, originally, the Army turned me down. Uh, I was all ready to go. They found out I had possibly childhood asthma, but it never got diagnosed. So the recruiter just pulled the sheet on me. I wanted to be in, in uh, Green Beret. 
the army, the Marine Corps recruiter came around and goes, that guy doesn't know anything. Do you have, is there a medical record out there? I'm like, no. And you never had it. When they ask you, you had allergies. I was like, well, that's actually true. I did, I did have a lot of allergies and I was never diagnosed really as asthma. Um, so, yeah. boom, boom, boom. I went to Marine Corps. I wanted to be a mortarman. I went to my ASVAB. My ASVAB went really well. I scored real high on the ASVAB. Um, he goes, well, you didn't tell me your ninth sign. I go, well, who'd you have to take my test? And <laughs> the next thing I know, I'm, he's talked to me into a technical field because he said, why don't you do something more helpful? I mean, plenty of people in this world can fill those spots and you'd be better suited helping those folks out by doing something more. So he talked about avionics and, and uh, working on airplanes and being an F-18 or AV-8B uh, radar tech. Well, that's the paperwork I had in hand when I went through boot camp. They handed me that paperwork to go to MCT, military combat training. Went to military combat training, and then they sent me to Biloxi, Mississippi. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be in Pensacola. The order's in my hand, say Pensacola. No, 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 the computer's here. This was in 1996. The computers are 90, yeah, 97, 97. The computers here say that you're supposed to, they're the most updated, so we're going to buy those. So I sit and I battled about it two months into, into my schooling at Biloxi, Mississippi. Oh my gosh, we're talking about, we were talking about hot afterwards, something, thunderstorms down there. It doesn't cool things off. It just turns it into a sauna <laughs> where you can't breathe and the mosquitoes come out in full force to just, it's like you're involved in a really bad game of darts. Ferris then, Bueller gets <laughs> off the bus in Biloxi Blues. Right. This is like Africa hot. Oh my. So <laughs> I get down there and they make school really rough on you because you're on an air force base as a marine and those guys get a lot of i mean they get substandard living pay for for living on a marine corps base which means they get 200 extra bucks because our bases suck worse than theirs <laughs> and so they try to make you want to graduate and get out as fast as you can so they are just always just twice as hard on you about things and so eventually they came back and said hey you only have a month left of schooling and we see that the, we got the order six we can send you to pensacola for another year and a half and i was like no 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 that's okay i'll go do weather and that's how i ended up doing doing observing and then eventually moving into the forecasting by coming back and taking the c c school for the forecasting and then spent a lot of time going everywhere and anywhere doing uh forecasting and, and military stuff and then eventually getting out and grabbing two jobs done. I, I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades, just enough to get me in trouble <laughs> doing something and then have to ask an expert on how to fix what I messed up. So, I'm that guy that I saw it on TV with the, the t-shirt with, I saw it on TV, the, the bathroom guy running across with his hair on fire. Uh -huh. That's me. Well, thank you for coming in and talking to me today. Yeah. We're glad to have you on the podcast. We're glad to have you next door to the library. Cool. And uh, we hope to have you in here more often. Absolutely. Kids. And uh, that is an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, Goes wow. quick. Yes, it does. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yep. Thank you.